Hey, peace, everybody. I hope you are well and maintaining. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Corner Store Podcast. Uh, it's been such an honor to, you know, week in and week out, be able to uh, have some great guests on this show and to have you tune in. Very humbled by that and appreciate you. A few things. One, uh, please make sure you subscribe uh, on Apple Podcasts and, and stream from everywhere and anywhere. Uh, but if you do, uh, if you are on Apple Podcasts, please consider rating and subscribing. Perhaps you'll consider the five stars. Um, would love to have that and have you help to spread the word about uh, some of what we're doing in the corner store. Just want to set up tonight. You know, I, I, we kind of jumped into the conversation with our guests this evening, but uh, so I didn't get to do a, a formal introduction. But we have a true. OG pioneer of public art in the city of Chicago and beyond, uh, a graffiti writer and musician and sculptor and installation master, a visionary, someone whose studio and street work I've admired for a very long time. Uh, a good, good dude, Chris Silva, is in the corner store. I know you're going to enjoy the conversation. So you pick it up uh, as Chris is just talking about a recent move him, him and his family have made from Chicago to South Bend, Indiana. He was talking about um, as every Chicagoan does, our love-hate relationship with the city and what his move has meant for his work and his practice. I know you're really going to enjoy the conversation. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and hope you're well. Happy New Year if you're on the Roman calendar. And uh, yeah, just stay safe and 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 uh, hope to you know hear from you and and hopefully see folks soon. thing to relocate and but you know just making a living as an artist is pretty can be pretty brutal and over time visiting here we kind of realize like whoa we can really use that you know cheaper cost of living and so and it's it's i mean i've noticed a considerable reduction in my stress levels since we've moved here on that front so as somebody you know with kids and trying to stress levels in a home are not healthy so you know that's definitely made um everything just kind of a, a little more uh feel more sustainable and you know it was there's been plenty of points being in the city that i've just been you know it's been a struggle just trying to keep keep the art career going and you know that's my my pretty much my sole source of income and uh so that's you know it's a roller coaster <laughs> of, you know okay i'm doing okay right now but usually usually it is just yearly month to month and you know just running on fumes so so yeah it feels a lot more like okay this is a way to uh keep keep things moving and give me a chance to like breathe a little bit and, and you know I'm still figuring this stuff out too you know it's not like I've cracked the code of uh, making this whole thing stress free or anything but it's uh, it's definitely something I'm trying to fine tune and as time goes on so so yeah it, and it's nice because we're you know we're an hour and a half from Chicago so yeah we jump into the city anytime and honestly I mean having had to have having had to work constantly uh, to make a living in Chicago, I hardly saw my friends anyway in a lot of ways or, you know, got to spend real quality time with friends. So in some ways, I don't know, you know, how much it's gonna, gonna change that. Cause, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I've, you know, I've 
extended our home as a place for people to stop at on their way you know hey you want a road trip stop and visit us and you know that's a nice way to uh be able to continue to spend some time with people and but yeah it's uh you know just the puzzle of trying to be a grown-up and all that and this is something that's worked out for us in a way that uh or you know so far feels like a good move yeah so well and and i'm i I mean i have a lot of questions because because of course you know you've been making a life as an artist for a long time um you know in, in this city and our our your work in my mind is like very uh you know when i think about you know some of the you know a a kind of um pioneer in some ways of a kind of style of of street art in in this city you know you're uh you know a small crew of people who come to mind um and and your work has literally lived on the street for decades um has also of course transitioned really beautifully to the studio you're also a musician i know um and and do a lot of things so how how does a geographic shift influence the way that you make if at all uh i mean i don't know i mean we i mean we've only been here for a year and i have moved away from chicago before i mean in uh 2007 um i moved back to puerto rico for almost four years and that definitely impacted my art making but i specifically took the opportunity to move there based on experiencing some artistic burnout and wanting to have the chance to step away from the art hustle again uh and um and i used that time to um get back to making beats and learning kind of relearning my equipment uh in regards to that pursuit and um just to slow down and uh, and I'll also explore some other processes in terms of art making. Um, I really kind of shifted a lot in terms of uh, um, just exploring things in my visual art as well. Um, being there, I also I know that I I mean I'm definitely environment is huge for me as far as the desire to make public art being in Puerto Rico didn't make me feel like that at all. It feels, you know, that kind of art form feels very appropriate to a big metropolitan area. And in Puerto Rico, I felt like that would just be, I don't know, polluting a beautiful place (laughs) in a way, you know? And so like, I just felt like it didn't need it. And in Chicago, the activity of art making is like, uh, it felt necessary in some ways to humanize the environment to to you know add some add some softness to the harshness you know like so um yeah you know and i'm i'm curious about when you first you first were drawn into the public realm as an artist so if we can i would love to go back into your history i mean you know i pre, you know started to see your work in the early nineties. Um, but I know that, you know, I'm sure you were making prior to that, but, but if we can, like, how did you first draw your attention to the public realm and how did you even get involved in the desire to want to make something beautiful at all? Um, let's see. So, I mean, I, so I moved to Chicago in 1982 from, uh, Rochester, New York. 
and um, I, I have a pretty clear memory of seeing riding the uh, riding the CTA train from the airport to the. Uh, I'm not sure where we were going exactly. Probably to our new apartment or something. It was early after we moved here or something. I don't I don't recall the circumstance exactly, but I remember being really struck by the uh, graffiti I saw off the highway. And, um, and you know, early trips to, I remember some, uh, at least one trip to New York City seeing um, the stuff on the subways, on the platforms. And um, I, got, I remember walking past that. It's a really iconic uh, Beastie Boys piece, I think Silver and Black or something that uh, I can't remember his name. Old school graffiti dude did. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, there's just moments like that that just really imprinted on me, and uh, and then skateboarding as well. I mean, the skateboarding. Uh, I started doing graffiti and skateboarding pretty much at the almost the exact same time, and um, and both of those activities really set up the city as a kind of playground and a place to explore and use creatively and so and then skateboard the skateboard world was influenced by you know like uh i mean it's got the cool graphics on the skateboards and all that kind of stuff um but yeah i mean and we moved to uh i mean we moved to like belmont and sheffield and so that's like i mean the epicenter of like creative youth culture at that time like things were just drawn you know i was surrounded by it and like so right well describe that scene because obviously belmont and sheffield is very different now but that's i mean you know i i remember um you know of course there was the the you know what was called kind of the punk and donuts uh there mm-hmm. there was there was the the all ages club um, you know, that Medusa's that was there, uh, you know, there was, I think that there at one point under the Belmont L there was the B side cafe that had some hip hop nights. Dennis is just for games. That was a very different and yeah, for a young person, incredibly exciting place to be at the time. Yeah, man. Dennis's place for games. That was our, well, it was a galaxy game room. That's right. What that, that's right. That yeah. Was called. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, it was, so alive you know and so like i mean i I don't i definitely would not be who i am without that influence on me i mean i think it really spoiled me in a lot of ways and um made me naive in a lot of respects because it was such a like there was so much beauty in the convergence of cultures there that you know growing up in some way i remember thinking like this is just how the world is or something you know and not realizing that i was experiencing this really kind of uh unique iteration of american culture and uh so but yeah i mean you had like i mean i used to go to medusa's and uh you know go to the teen nights and the late nights and just like hang out or or not go just hang out in dunkin donuts parking lot or um i mean yeah, there was, I mean, between the, I mean, Vinny in terms of music and everything, like, that's, that's at the core of my influences still, and, you know, like, why I feel like I have such a, 
a kind of broad, open mind to a lot of stuff. And uh, yeah, such a, because it I was know. it was it was a um, you know it, it felt like everyone was there. Uh, you know, it it, it 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 invited like it seemed to invite like all like I met in those spaces, some of those spaces, kids from everywhere. They looked like the city very broadly. Um, there was a lot of different, you know, everyone brought a different kind of. There were just all different walks of life were there, and it was one of the few spaces uh, culturally where you had that kind of, you know, intentional or maybe unintentional, but radical diversity. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, the, in the graffiti art and skateboarding scenes, I mean, I feel like I was able to interact with, uh, just people from just the craziest differing backgrounds, you know? And, uh, I think, yeah, that really, I mean, for me, I know it's, uh, I know it's what's responsible for, um, I, I mean, I, I guess turning outward, I mean, I can see, I can understand better the the way that people who have not had those kinds of experiences are swayed by these really terrible preconceptions that, that they experienced, you know, by, by the fact of just experiencing people through media and such you know and uh so yeah i feel like it's really um i don't know just giving me a a deeper understanding of the of people in general and our shared humanity and uh i, I yeah i don't know i mean i thinking about what's going on in the world today with how divided we are it's like i you know i really wish that more of the world could experience the life the way i did through that you know direct experience with hugely diverse group of people and um yeah and i mean i did as well i i mean i i've lived between um more rural areas and uh chicago so i mean i've also, I feel like I've had some good experience with people from the South. I lived in Greenville, North Carolina, or, and have had family there uh, ever since. And so I think that's um, been a huge influence on me as well, you know. For sure. What, now, what, what, were you, what were you writing at that time? What was your name? And like, what, were you in, in crews? Yeah, so I started... Uh, doing graffiti in uh, when I was uh, what was it? it was 1986 I was in Union Crew I was going to Kenwood um, so I started doing graffiti with, uh, through basically hanging out with uh, Billy Wimsat Wimsett and uh, just you know running around Kenwood and skipping school and tagging the buses outside and such and uh, yeah I wrote I wrote L Rock. Actually, my first my, my first graffiti name was Zuroni. Zuroni. Last too long. Okay, fair. Yeah, yeah, that's a long that's one. A deep dive right there. <laughs> nice. But uh, so yeah, then L Rock. I wrote that for uh, I don't know a couple of years maybe, and then uh, there was a time that I kind of kind of paused my graffiti activity a little bit. I was still really paying attention for sure to what was going on, but I started. 
focusing more on skateboarding. And uh, I remember seeing stuff that East was doing. Uh, this was maybe like 89 or something, 88, 89. So I started seeing some of that stuff and it started to suck me in again. I started to get excited about um, participating. So when I uh, kind of made a little, little more of a comeback into doing graffiti, I started writing deep. And uh, so that, and then a couple of years later, I started writing Jace. And that was in response to those CTA contests because we had to uh, uh, write submit names. I, I was like, okay, so now they're going to know that I'm deep. So I'm going to start writing Jace because I was still pretty attached to the idea of writing on the CTA. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think deep, deep and Jace are the. The names I think I'm the most known by. I also wrote Rash and what else? That's about it. Yeah. I, I miss those uh, CTA competitions. Um, and, and for those that don't know, maybe you could you know remind us. But I mean, I remember sitting out on Milwaukee Avenue and seeing folks, you know, paint, uh, you know, behind the Walgreens there, full productions that were paid for by the city, which was pretty incredible. Yeah, it was super cool. I mean, I don't know what her position was, but there was this lady, Constance Mortel, who worked at the CTA, and I, I think this was all her idea, uh, way to give give a bunch of kids an outlet and try to make an agreement with them to that if they were to, you know, not to stop vandalizing the CTA property, that they would give up a bunch of walls and such, and... I don't know that that really worked out for them, but right. it was an awesome yeah. <laughs> opportunity for everyone involved, and we got a lot of free paint, and uh, yeah, and it was cool. I mean, like uh, our crew won a few times, and and uh, got to have uh, we got some semesters to Columbia, and the American Academy of Art paid for. Damn. Um, that's right. Oh, yeah. That's right. And what, you? I don't think you mentioned the crew, or maybe maybe I misheard, but I don't think you said uh, the crew. That, like, when we were uh, in those CTA contests, I painted, we painted as UFG. Um, it's ultra feel good. <laughs> nice. And, uh, and also, I'm in THC, Three Hearts Club. And uh, what else? Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I think in, in those CTA contests, we, I, I only painted, uh, as UFG crew. So, you know, not, not too long after this time that you're talking about, there seems to be a, um, an evolution of your work where you begin to kind of uh, go into using different and found materials where the, the public art goes from, you know, in some ways like the 2D surface of graffiti to a 3D, um, you know, like multiple material uh um, installation, uh, you know, sh- your street sculpture in some ways. Um, and, and I'm thinking of, you know, not only your work, but also the work you did in collaboration with, uh, you know, what seemed to be a crew. I mean, you know, I'm thinking of, of course, you and, and Mike and Cody, um, maybe, maybe there's others. Juan. Yes. Thank you. Juan yes. Yeah. Juan Chavez. Um, yeah. yeah. So how, I mean, and this is this is if if I'm if I'm thinking right, this is like the early '90s though, where you guys are starting to really create these installations, or maybe it's later. I don't no, know. No, that was a lot later actually. Okay. Um, so we, so I, I I was like I'd say my real pure graffiti time was from like uh, 
90 to um, 95 or 96 or something, and I kind of chilled out again for a while um, once I was able to afford turntables and a ASR-10 sampler. So I started making beats for a few years, and that was kind of, you know, what I was immersed in. But um, I got kind of pulled back into it once I started seeing some other kind of... Uh, peers or people from that era starting to be a little more experimental um with just the media again you know what you're saying but not so much on the three-dimensional level but just with like doing like wheat pace or you know just like a little little different kind of uh exploration of the graffiti medium what i still thought of as you know just graffiti but um expanding the materials who who um, who was pulling you in? What were you seeing that was was drawing your attention at that time? Uh, like um, like Mike Giant and uh, who else? Um, uh, Dalek. Um, drawing a little bit of a blank. Yeah, I can't I can't think of who else exactly. Yeah, but um, but yeah, so I. I that was exciting to me and so I kind of I was I was like oh okay I'm gonna start messing around with some of this too and so I did that and kind of started hooking up with Mike too we started collaborating and going out and hitting spots with some of the stuff we were making and then uh and then Cody and and uh we started hooking up me Cody and Juan and Mike all together doing stuff and Juan is really I would say the main influence uh, in terms of the three-dimensional stuff because he was already doing some awesome like three-dimensional three-dimensional sculptures he was nail gunning up to like boarded up storefronts and stuff and uh and you know he had the tools and such and i i never did have any of that stuff too so i kind of he was really felt like a a mentor to me in that way just and, and also just kind of made me realize uh a lot of like you know i might be a little intimidated to try something and like he'd just always be like man you know just go for it like why not or whatever and so it kind of kept re- turning those gears in me that like yeah why not why not just keep expanding this and uh playing around with it so yeah i got you know got myself a jigsaw and started messing around and yeah just kind of uh and i feel like it got really addictive and i started realizing like wow it's really cool adding these different elements and uh it kind of uh yeah the whole found object things like over the years i realized what a parallel it is to like sample based music production and you know so i feel like that aspect of my life and like they really were just kind of working together and over time i you know i mean it's really work uh it's really um like what's the word I don't know really ambitious kind of work but uh, I realized well, how much fun it is to put all that stuff together with you know doing the installations that are three dimensional with mute soundtracks and video and all that stuff so that's like kind of felt like oh I'm finally like putting all my toys together you know and well and because that's some of where your studio practice has moved to is like an incorporation in some instances of all of, all of these things that you do and really 
big and, and beautiful ways, like the incorporation or integration of these various parts of yourself into one space, into one exhibition, and into one installation is, is really moving. I mean, as a viewer, and I'm sure, you know, to have the, you know, the multiple parts of yourself integrated into a room is probably fulfilling then as a person and as an artist. For sure. For sure. And also just, uh, I mean, I love the social aspect of it. Those things that, those pieces I've made, like, have always been in collaboration. And that's something that over time I've, I mean, I, I know I always enjoyed that, but like, when I start getting a little too isolated and, uh, you know, had too much time doing my own thing, I realize like what I'm missing and it's that that interaction and that kind of, you know, sort of musicality in a way of like playing as a band and, and that adventure, you know, cause I mean, I, I, my aim is to keep art adventurous on my own as well. You know, I'm always trying to figure out ways to introduce some, you know, elements of the unknown in it so that I, that's what keeps me engaged but collaboration definitely adds that element you know it's kind of fun to just start a project and like wonder like what's this gonna turn out like you know like i have no idea when, when you were when you guys were and i, I don't want to downplay like the the import the beauty of these street installations that you guys were doing i mean these these were some of the most fantastic pieces i think public art has seen and certainly in in my i mean you guys it, it, it just, it seemed, you know, it's like seeing some of these pieces, it seemed like they were worked on for months. And I imagine you put them up in some instances overnight out of necessity. Um, did you guys have a crew name uh, or, or would you, I mean, you know, when you were working with Cody and Mike and Juan in that way, like, like was there, was it a collective? It, it felt like that. It felt like there were these shared principles, shared aesthetics. You each had your own unique voice. Um, but when you came together, it was just, you know, for the creation of this very powerful, magnificent, beautiful piece. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have a crew. It was just, you know, it was really loose. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, there was definitely, I mean, we were a crew in effect, for sure. Um, and, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was just, I think it was just like a real fortunate pairing up of people who had enough kind of similarities and maybe goals and then enough difference to play off each other in an interesting way um but yeah it was it's i don't know there's something about i think we all come from fairly similar backgrounds as like skateboarding graffiti types who are in the various music scenes and such and so it was just a real easy meshing of uh personalities and such and um yeah it was a lot of fun i mean that was definitely one of the uh times of my life that i was like you know there's moments when you're you like know like we're really onto something here you know and that was a huge one we did that uh tragic beauty show yeah and i remember i've had a, i've had a few moments like this where i'm like we're about to blow up or some shit and <laughs> and uh you know i was kind of like uh I felt, but I felt that way at that time too. I mean, I think in some ways, if it was during a time of social media, you would have, you know, in that way. I mean, and I think you guys are, you know, still making. I mean, all of you are. Well, I mean, Cody obviously is 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 like um, has a whole different trajectory. 
But like, you know, your work has remained like incredibly powerful. And, 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 you know, I think, I think if those installations, that show was done at a time of like IG, it would be obviously a different kind of reach. I was a little, a little bit before all that. So yeah. And I mean, I'm a, I'm not like a, it's my own fault. I'm a horrible promoter, businessman type of person. I am not enthusiastic about that at all. So, yeah, I, in some way, it's um something that uh yeah, you know, you can't just expect people to discover you just because you know you're doing something good. And that was yeah, for sure. Like if we had some kind of manager or PR agent or somebody working with us, we might have done a little better with getting the stuff out there but it was cool man i remember cody saying that like swoon emailed them based on seeing the show and wow. saying that she was moved by it and so it's cool you know it's just good to get and i mean i've heard so many people mention being at those openings and just like what a profound experience it was for them and like yeah it was it was so much fun super cool yeah it opened up a new realm of the possible you know i, I mean it just you you guys i think i think did that for a lot of people you know you'd mentioned the importance of collaboration in your life and i know in your life and in your art you know your wife is a big collaborator and you guys have made a lot of incredible things together including a family and a whole life but also a ton of great art together yeah thanks yeah it's uh it's been cool we're um we're very opposite kind of in terms of our process like i'm a i'm i'm such a tortoise over here like i'm not like prolific i'm not just cranking stuff out but lauren is like you know our house and studio they're just filled with her drawings and stuff so it's super easy for me to just pick something up and be like hey lauren you gonna do something with this you know like i can just take it and run with it and so uh yeah it's cool it's kind of like and it goes back to, and we have different strengths too. Like she's just a much better drawer than I am. She has a real loose kind of lyrical line and all this. And I'm much more of a like, comp, you know, I'm a composer, like kind of um, arranger type of artist, like sculptor or something slow and methodical and designer in some way. And so it's, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's a nice way to, uh, we really, fill out each other's and play off each other's strengths and weaknesses in a nice way. Are you guys currently working on anything together? Uh, raising these kids pretty yeah, much. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just trying to, yeah, I think mainly the a big puzzle of our life has just been trying to refine our uh, being, being grown-ups kind of thing, and so that's taken some fine-tuning just as a, a you know, I'm close to what it, man see i'm so old i can't remember how old i am i'm gonna be 49 soon so but yeah you know that kind of realization is like okay like i feel like if i'm gonna be able to do this longer i need to shape shape up my act a bit and so that's i mean as a family here i think that's the uh the mission here just because uh yeah i'm a bit of a i'm definitely a bit of a grown kid myself in a lot of ways so just trying to figure out like, those past few years has been a, a big a lot of transitions for us in terms of moving and all that and um so yeah i'm just trying to prep to to keep this going and and so how has that influenced what you make and how you make and and you know just to kind of end up on like what what are what are some of the things that you're working on now uh right now 
let's see. Well, I saw it. So last year, you know, 2020 was insane for all of us. But yeah. uh, last summer, I broke my wrist. Oh, damn. So I had some time off that I was, uh, you know, just laid up and on painkillers and such. So, yeah. uh, and my, you know, I'm still kind of, it's healing slower. I've got this old body. It's taking a little longer to heal than normal so um and some of my projects also because of covid got postponed a couple got canceled and then um but i'm just uh resuming um uh project uh actually it's funny i'm not supposed to talk about it now that i realize but it's a it's a project like a commission project that uh good gig that's kind of a, an ambitious one that's going to take um few you know months to fabricate i'm in the design process right now um i also got a project i'm doing with uh uh the kids at yolo kali um that's kind of a it's a digitally designed mural which is cool perfect for me right now just mm. to because uh yeah i'm not trying to clamp be climbing too much right now with the Feeble, this feeble old man body trying to heal up and <laughs> recuperate a bit more right. but uh, yeah it's um, just what else I think that's about it I've been going I've been I, last year I you know had to turn down a lot of stuff because of my arm and such and yeah. I feel like uh, the uh, moment, momentum is just picking up a lot more recently and I'm starting to I got it what else a couple murals uh, next year um some mural on some like what is it some kind of mall center or something but yeah i'm going slow and i'm starting starting to think about doing a little more studio stuff and i honestly i've been focusing a lot more on the music lately that's what you know i've been taking the opportunity to sit here and uh learn a lot more of my music equipment and try and finally put out something because i've been so like I've been way too perfectionist about all this stuff and self-defeating, self-critical, all that stuff. And so, uh, yeah, I'm uh, doing doing some more music of my own. I, I did a, I got a cool little project or remix project with a a dope MC uh, that um, it's a lot of fun. Kind of feeling, uh, I don't know, like me. I'm trying to check some of those boxes because uh, that's a, a big part of my my life is this kind of realizing I could have taken a different path, you know, as far as uh, pursuing music production more actively. I definitely, um, there was a time that, yeah, I felt like there was a fork in the road there or something and um, just making a living as a visual artist is such a full-time hustle that I had to put that take that all the way off the stove practically not even on the back burner so i'm trying to and it's such a huge part of me that it's like i get sad when i have to like let that drop too much so i'm trying to let myself rest a little bit before i can like go back at it with a kind of uh you know renewed enthusiasm and so if i can get in a nice rhythm of like visual art and um music making i feel like the whole operation goes a lot smoother yeah definitely i'm like many people who uh you know depression is a real thing i have to fend off and you know so as a parent definitely don't want to be the sad dad you know yeah, yeah no but it's a real thing man i mean i i 
does it, it sounds like the music space particularly might give you some sort of solace um oh yeah that's i mean that's definitely that's something i realize i probably shouldn't even say this but like I, i've definitely realized over time that like probably i'm a i'm a really a like music is kind of where my heart is at you know yeah if i if i had more resources maybe younger and was able to you know i don't know take some lessons and get a little more foundation in that i might have uh pursued that a little more seriously but i've definitely had you know a lot of self-doubt in turks i'm just purely just self-taught tinkerer kind of which is you know has its strengths it's cool but you know i would uh would love to have a little more knowledge of what i'm doing in that regard and because yeah it's that's my main my main therapy for sure yeah know? well the stuff that i've heard i really love because it's a style that i i also think of fondly like it reminds me of like my favorite era of like the you know mid to late 90s down tempo trip hop type breaks um and i just i i love that i i love that i love listening to that kind of music i love i love the kind of in some ways what that music i think means you know it seems like it's it's a call to a different kind of life and yeah i really i I really like what you're making can you can you tell us what mc you're working with uh i think so Okay. Uh, yeah, it's Queen Heroin. Dope. Okay. Cool. Mayor from Juggernauts. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's yeah, yeah. very exciting. Well, that will be something to look forward to. Chris, where where's the best place where people could be in tune with all of what all of what you're doing uh, on the internet? How could people stay involved in in all of these projects? Uh, let's see. So I'm on Instagram and Twitter as Solid Gold Silva, and uh, I'm on also on Instagram as Lavish Catastrophe Rivers. That's my. That's what I've come up with as my uh, production name. It's basically my name, Christopher Tavares Silva, all rearranged. It's an anagram of my full name. And I'm also on uh, Twitter as This Mother Falcon. Nice. Yeah, man. So, um, and also, you know, your website is great too. Just chrissilva.com is a great. I need to update that. Yeah, yeah but, that. It, but it looks, it looks <laughs> really good. It still looks really good, man. It's look, it's it's a it's a pleasure, man, to to reconnect and uh, just great to hear a little about you know where you know what, what all of what you've done and, and some of that history. So thank you so much, man, for being in the corner store. Oh, thank you, man. I really appreciate being invited on. Shout out our super producer, DJ Cashera. Big up boss man, Todd Manley. Thank you to our official corner store photog, Mercedes Zapata. Salutes to the snack door, Max. Also, please, y'all, follow our Instagram. It's corner underscore pod on IG, on Twitter. Tell us who you want to see in the corner store. And also, please consider dropping a couple of dollars into our Patreon account. It's patreon.com corner store underscore pod. The corner store is brought to you by Stolen Spirits.